We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 101. Today, I am honored to have Brian Costello on the program with me. He is in his seventh year of teaching in southern New Jersey, and he is currently teaching first and second grades, and he teaches math, science, and social studies for those grades, and his kids actually rotate through those different content areas, much like they do in secondary schools. So that's an interesting thing that we'll talk about. We're also going to talk about how to deal with people who are not very nice on staff. And uh, Brian is a courageous man who has uh, stood up to those around him, and I'm excited to hear his stories about that today. So welcome to the program, Brian. Thank you so much for being a guest on The Transformative Principle. Thank you very much for having me, Jethro. I'm, I'm really excited to be on. So Brian and I have been in a Voxer group for a while now, and I've been following him on Twitter, and he is a fantastic educator that I learn a lot from. And I greatly admire anyone who teaches those lower primary grades because I feel like you have to be a special kind of human being to work with kids that are so full of energy and excitement and have so few skills still, and he must have great patience to be able to work with with those kids. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it's like working with uh, kindergarten and first and second grades? So um, working with the, the youngest kids provides you with some things that I guess uh, working with kids as they get older starts to disappear. Teachers always talk about that moment where you see kids light up because they've got something. With younger kids, there's so many things they don't know. There's so many times that they get something for the first time that it's almost like every day you have kids who light up with excitement that you know, find that joy of learning something for the first time. It, you really get a chance to see that daily, and it becomes absolutely just, you know, you talk about that energy, you feed off that energy, and you you build off of it, and between that and, you know, lots of coffee, uh, you can <laughs> keep up with them for, for a while. And, yeah, the uh, 
keeping up with them, I think, is the is the difficult part. I was a assistant principal in elementary school before my current position, and had never worked in elementary school. Had only subbed, and it was seeing those light bulbs go off in those kids' eyes day after day um, was really a neat thing that is easy to forget when you're working with middle school students who don't have those light bulbs nearly as often as the young kids. Talk a little bit about how switching for those content areas works at an elementary school and how that goes. Because in my last interview, we talked about how important it is for kids that young to have some consistency with who they're seeing so that the fewer transitions lead to more success in being on task and doing what they're supposed to. So it's a very fascinating, different perspective. Talk a little bit about that. So this is our first year doing it. The thought process being we're such a small school that giving, I mean, so for our first through fourth grade are, are, are switching for the first time this year, our fifth through eighth grade, our middle school, kindergarten to fourth are our lower school. Uh, and so it's the first time that we're doing it. So we're working out a lot of the kinks, a lot of the little uh, bugs, things, finding out where the, the pockets of time are that we're losing. And the, the thought process behind it was to obviously give our teachers a chance to focus more specifically on a content area and really become better at teaching those specific areas. So I will say that I have been able to uh, come up with better, uh, better projects, come up with better ideas, improve my specific instructional abilities in math, in science, uh, and in social studies, because I don't have to focus on language arts other than how it incorporates. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a benefit. You know, I agree with that conversation that you were talking about completely from your interview is that there are some definite drawbacks in terms of building, at least this first year, in terms of building the connections with your kids. But what I, what happens is since we are a first and second grade flip, so we're so small, we have our one class per grade level. So what happens is I'll loop with my kids for every every year. So my first graders will be back with me again next year in second grade. And since I taught first grade last year, the second graders are that class this year. So each year I end up with them for a second year. So that relationship is built, especially in in the second year. So I am noticing that the second grade, my second grade class is a little easier for me than my first grade class. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the relationships are already established. So that time that it, that time constraint that we have isn't as big of a problem. It just kind of goes and goes pretty easily. The the, the relationships already built. Yeah, that sounds like a like a very good thing that you're looping with the kids. And in episode uh, ninety, where I interviewed Piper Riddle, she does a dual immersion school, and so they have the Chinese teachers teaching math and the English speaking teachers teaching the language arts and uh, social studies and science and things like that so that they can see, well, they can do something similar to what you're doing where um, they're, they're breaking up the content areas a little bit. That's for a very specific reason to be able to teach Chinese. And it's fascinating what you're doing. I imagine that that causes you to have to collaborate in a different and possibly more with other teachers because you're sharing kids with them. Is that a good assumption? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fortunately for me, I work with a really, really fantastic partner. Um, and her and I collaborate pretty much 
all on everything. We actually have been doing conferences together this week, which for me is a, a bit of a shift because I'm one of the few teachers who really likes conferences. I don't know if that's global, but I know that most teachers are like, oh man, I have 10 minutes to talk to parents. And I think, oh boy, I only have 10 minutes to talk to this parent. I could talk to this parent for an hour about their kid without even breaking their report card out of the envelope. We could talk forever. So that that for me you know, was definitely a challenge, but we collaborate pretty much. We talk every single day about what's going on back and forth between the kids, what's happening in both classes. Because like you said, there's a lot of nuances to young kids and how they react to different situations and how the group dynamic shifts from one class to another, which has also been very interesting uh, to see for certain kids reacting different ways in different environments. But all day, uh, every single day, before and after school, we plan things together. We work out plans for kids in terms of interventions, behaviors, things like that, all as part of a team and then specifically with the two of us. Yeah, and so one of the things that happens when you have to collaborate more with with other teachers is that sometimes there are conflicts and differences in opinion. And typically, as teachers, we can work those things out by talking about it and sharing our thoughts and feelings. And sometimes there are situations where someone is just being mean and is treating you not in a healthy way. And, you know, you shared a story a while ago about that. And can you share that story again now? Yeah, absolutely. I'll preface this with the fact that I, I work with almost an entirely a staff full of people who are supportive and and positive. And it was towards the end of my second year and almost like the last week or two. And I was getting ready to leave in the afternoon and a teacher had come down and asked me to correct something on uh, cumulative folders for the kids that I had the year before. And I wasn't aware that, that, that I had not done them properly. The person who I had showing me showed me a way to do them. And there was something that I had left out. I left out information from their previous year's report cards. I said, okay, I'll get to it. And then, uh, you know, turned around and walked away. The next morning I came in and they were on my desk, the folders, which the folders never leave the office. They were on my desk with a note from my boss that said, you need to correct this. So I had my instructional aid read a story to my class and I immediately fixed that. It took me five minutes. Uh, it really wasn't a big deal at all, but it was a few minutes. And after that, I was talking to another teacher that I was friends with. And she said, yeah, this, this teacher was in, in my classroom cursing, cursing your name and, and screaming and yelling about how you didn't do your job properly and that she couldn't understand why you weren't doing this and that. And I, and you know, I just, she said, I just sat there and, and listened because... What else are you going to do? Yeah, what else are you going to do when someone comes in? Basically, people had learned to uh, just ignore her and go about their, their business because she was going to come in and rant and rave whether you... And if you disagreed with her, then she'd just be mean to you. I said, you know what, that's ridiculous. Uh, I didn't even, wasn't even given the opportunity to do this, to correct the mistake, a uh, mistake I wouldn't have known about being a first-year teacher last year. And so I, this was six years ago, just to clarify that, because I don't know if I, I made that clear in the story at the beginning. But uh, I can't, I don't know if you could tell, but I get, my, my heart rate gets up a little bit as so I start talking about this. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and let me stop you there for just a second. This is something that happens Unfortunately, frequently enough that people listening are saying, yep, I, I've been through that. I've had a teacher yell at me about another teacher. Or I've had a teacher get mad at me about me or something like that. And for some reason, you know, I don't understand what it is, but people are in education and and act that way when they can be super patient with kids or not. 
And then when it comes to working with adults, then they really struggle. And that's a very real issue that some people in education deal with. And they can be hurtful. They can be mean. They can be disrespectful. And it does cause other people to have their heart rates increase. It causes them to be nervous and to be uncomfortable in the work environment. And, you know, those things are common enough that they can be very damaging to a school's culture. Yeah, absolutely. And to have, you know, this one person just venting out this this anger um, pretty much in all directions, uh, it's definitely not good. It wasn't something that I wanted to hear. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to be a party to it. So, and I had been on this person's good side because I was aware that I should stay on this person's good side. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing, like you need to be on this person's good side so they don't yell at you, which is just an unhealthy thing that nobody wants to have to deal with. Absolutely. So uh, my response to this after thinking about it for a little bit, by the end of the day that day, I sent her an email. Uh, I thought it was probably for the best that I didn't go directly to her to confront her. I didn't want to get angry myself. I typically try to take those things in and process them out before I respond so that, you know, I don't want to respond in anger and say something that's inappropriate or, uh, you know, say something that I don't mean to say, because then I'm being no different than the person who's coming at me. So, so my response was to send her an email. My email just plainly said, I thought this was professionally discourteous of you to, you know, I didn't even get 24 hours to correct the problem before you brought it to the attention of our, our superior, our boss, and our supervisor, who's both, was both the principal and the superintendent of the school. And I also found it to be incredibly disrespectful that you were in other teachers' rooms cursing about me about this particular thing. I said, it was corrected quickly. It wasn't really a big deal. And I'd appreciate it if in the future you'd come to me face-to-face and air out this problem with me first before you bring it to our boss. That would be uh, the appropriate professional response. And I copied that email to my boss. So basically, she got a copy. Our school administrator got a copy. I did not hear back from her other than, actually, no, that was not true. I heard, I got a one sentence email back saying that she felt threatened when I told her that I would get to report cards. Um, I was literally walking, or the cum folders. I was literally walking out the door. I said, okay, I'll get to it. And I had witnesses who saw this. So then my, the next morning, my administrator brought me in and just, she thanked me for standing up for myself for not allowing her to push me around because it was something that a lot of people had been doing. And she'd been obviously not just doing it to me, but to everyone in the building. So what I think is fascinating here is that you confronted that person directly. You stated the appropriate professional response. And then your supervisor appreciated what you did and said thank you and recognized that that was a powerful way for you to do that. How did you feel doing that? Were you nervous to send a an email to her confronting her? At the time, I wasn't. I think maybe I might have been a little naive <laughs> being still relatively new at the school. But at the same time, when you think about how, how you treat people, it says a lot about about you and, and how you feel. And my thought was, I, I mean, I could say nothing, but then what? What happens next? Is she going to keep doing this to me? I mean, for some reason, I all of a sudden became, you know, I, I, I ended up in the crosshairs and for really no reason. It was a simple mistake that could have been skipped over and I could have come back and fixed it after she had done the work she needed to do. But I had inconvenienced her for a matter of several hours, apparently, and that was enough for her to try and make me look bad, basically throw me under the bus in front of uh, in front of our, our boss. And 
my thought was, that's not how I would want anybody to treat me. And that's not how I would treat anybody else. And so I immediately responded. I mean, within you know, a few hours, I responded that way because I can't really see why anybody should treat other people that way. Well, and you also show from your perspective how you would want to be treated. You know, you would want somebody to say directly to you, hey, you made a mistake here and we need to fix this. And that is a, an appropriately appropriate and professional way to deal with the issue that doesn't have to hurt anybody's feelings, states it clearly and plainly, and doesn't evolve emotion in the situation also. So what's fascinating is that you say, this is how I want people to treat each other in a professional environment. And that is, you know, you come out and you say it, you say it to that person, you deal with it, you make sure that it's out on the table. The The response, though, is I felt threatened from her. And there's a psychology term called projection. And I don't know all the psychological ways of describing that. But basically, what it means is that those who act in a certain way, assume everybody else would act in the same way as them. So she would be threatening to you because of what you did, because that's how she would act. And so she assumes that you'll act that same way, when really, that's not that's not the case. Most people wouldn't act that way. And most people don't. But there are just a few people here and there that do act that way. And, you know, it seems that everybody puts up with them. And it's not often that someone does what you did and actually confronts them and says, you know, I don't appreciate being treated this way. Please don't treat me this way. And I would say that when I was reflecting on this later on, like after the fact, and I was talking to uh, you know friends and mentors about this, and I said, you know, this was the decision that I, I needed to to make for myself, and they said, yeah, well, you know, she just she just me, and I said, you know, I maybe it's something else, but if that's the way that she responds to things, then I'm that's sad, and I don't want that for her. I'd rather her. Um, so basically, after that, I I was torn between. How do I how do I interact with this person? How do I treat this person? Because they're not going anywhere. I mean, she's got a job there until she retires, probably because she's not a bad teacher. She just has this tendency to get angry with people and express it in a way that's unhealthy, I think. And so for me, it wasn't. I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be nice to her. So I went out of my way to be nice to her. I said two things can happen: either she's going to be nice and rude to me and realize that this isn't a uh, you know that I, I have no hostility towards her, or it's going to make her even more angry. But either way, she's not going to get to me. She's not going to make me angry with her. And I'm going to go about my my job, my experience in the building by spreading that positivity instead of you know reciprocating a negative response. Yeah, and and that's really important too because whether or not someone makes you mad. You still need to be nice to them, do supportive things like you would for anybody else. And as a peer, that's a different relationship than an administrator to someone. And regardless, you should still treat people how you want to be treated. And you should still treat people with respect because they're people just like you. And so, you know, sometimes those things can get can get lost and people may not see what you're doing to support them. But the truth is, is that if that's really how you live your life, and that's how I personally believe I should live my life also, then you can still do those things and try to help people as much as you can. And that's what you have to do um, if that's how you live your life. 
Absolutely. And I'd say, uh, honestly, she probably didn't talk to me almost at all for a whole year. Even like I'd say hello and she'd just keep on going. And then over time, you know, she would say hello back. And now we have, you know, I go out of my way to make sure that open the door for her or something bad happened. I'd, uh, you know, offer my, my sympathy or I'd offer my support. And, you know, we now have at least a cordial relationship where I don't think that there's any animosity, which is interesting. Now, yeah, I, I just think it, it's interesting how that developed. But the, the thought is, well, if I, from people when I was initially, before I had had this interaction with her was that you wouldn't want to aggravate her because then you would be, you would be under fire and she would be after you or whatever the, you know, the common thought was. You know, it, it just wasn't healthy to, to, to be afraid of that. Yeah, it, it's dysfunctional to be afraid of that, right? And we need to be functional in our relationships at work and in what we do. And that dysfunction does not, doesn't help anybody. And it certainly doesn't help our kids. It doesn't help us as human beings. So, yeah, we need to be functional and we need to find ways to get over ourselves in spite of ourselves and, you know, still extend that olive branch to people, even when it seems like they may not be interested in that. That's that's what we need to do, no matter what they've done to us, you know? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm there to, to make things better for kids and I'm there to make the place better for kids. And part of that for me, especially uh, as primary grade teacher, we taught, we, you know, you hear a lot about modeling for, for kids. And as, especially for me as a, as a male teacher in the primary grades, one of the things that I try to model for my kids is appropriate, non-aggressive, non-violent problem solution. And, you know, what better situation to do it in than when you're actually having a conflict with someone. Now, granted, I don't go and tell my kids about this particular thing, but uh, regardless of whether you tell people about something or not, you should be doing those things. Uh, you should be living those things so that you know when you look your kids in the eye and say, yeah, this isn't the appropriate way to solve a problem, you know with yourself and, and they can tell your honesty when you're talking to them. Bam! That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's funny how it comes up. I, we were talking a little bit ago um, about you know, before before the show. Uh, we were talking about, and I just said I mentioned that this is coming up again uh, with this teacher and a newer staff member um, who said, you know, she came in my office and she was she was yelling at me, and you know, I just said, you know, stand up to her. And she told me what she wanted to say to her, and I said, you know, that's that's probably a bad choice. I said, because she will, she'll turn around and report you for that because that's kind of, I think that's what she's going for is to prompt that, that emotional negative response. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're the one in trouble and she's the one who started this problem. Uh, I said, so you know, just temper the way you want to respond and respond like this would, you know, the appropriate way to respond is just say, Hey, hey that's unprofessional. And I appreciate it if you didn't do this to me anymore. It's inappropriate, and I don't deserve to be treated like this. End of story. You wouldn't expect kids to treat other kids that way. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect adults, you know, in the building where I work to treat other adults that way either. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good lesson. Thank you for being a good example to other teachers. Thank you for uh, sharing that story. I'm sure that that is difficult to do, but I appreciate it, and I know that it'll help someone who's listening. So thank you very much for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I hope other people can do the same thing. When you, when you had mentioned uh, to me that you didn't think this was the kind of thing that people did often, I was surprised. Not that it happens, I guess, often in my school. It just didn't occur to me that it was the kind of thing that people don't don't do on the regular basis to stand up for themselves and say, you know, I deserve to be retreated, treated with respect because that's what we teach our kids to do. And so, yeah, I, I hope that more people will uh, respectfully and politely say this is not appropriate. Yeah. And absolutely. So that was a great interview with Brian. He really is amazing. And I'm so proud of him for standing up to someone who was treating him inappropriately. And, you know, that's a difficult thing to do for anybody. And, you know, he said that he wasn't really nervous, but he did also say that his heart was still racing when he thought about that interaction. So, you know, that it's a a difficult thing. And I hope that him sharing his story will help you and some of your teachers in doing the same thing, because it is important that we treat people with respect. And part of that is making sure that they conduct themselves in a professional manner. If you have enjoyed what you've been listening to here, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating in iTunes. Also, if you sign up for the newsletter on the website, transformativeprinciple.org, I will send you the five ways to be a transformative principal. At the end of every interview, I ask the principals how to do that. And I've compiled all the best answers they've given and put them in the top five that we've heard. It's made me a better principal. I believe it'll make you a better principal also. I've been your host, Jethro Jones. Thank you for listening to Transformative Principal Podcast. Transformative Principal is a proud member of the Edu Podcast Network. If you want to learn something new, check out Jennifer Gonzalez's Cult of Pedagogy podcast. She's got a great website with beautiful design and produces really great content all the time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.